Our scripture reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12. This is the word of the Lord. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and are un presentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God has composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? 
Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. So far, the reading of Scripture. I'd like to also read with you Article 28 of the Belgic Confession. <coughs> and that we find on page 511 of the Book of Praise. Article 28, we believe, since this holy assembly and congregation is the assembly of the redeemed, and there is no salvation outside of it, that no one ought to withdraw from it, content to be by himself, no matter what his status or standing may be. <coughs> but all and everyone are obliged to join it and unite with it, maintaining the unity of the church. They must submit themselves to its instruction and discipline, bend their necks under the yoke of Jesus Christ, and serve the edification of the brothers and sisters according to the talents which God has given them as members of the same body. To observe this more effectively, it is the duty of all believers, according to the word of God, to separate from those who do not belong to the church and to join this assembly wherever God has established it. They should do so even though the rulers and edicts, of, and edicts of princes were against it, and death or physical punishment might follow. All therefore who draw away from the church or fail to join it act contrary to the ordinance of God. So far. And our text this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. These words, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And after the sermon, we will sing the first two stanzas of hymn 49. The theme for the sermon is the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as Church of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, prior to the prayer, you were made aware of two more withdrawals from the congregation. And we realize, of course, that when a person leaves our community to live and work elsewhere, and he joins a faithful church with whom we are in the process of developing a relationship as we are with the associate reformed presbyterian church we can no longer he can no longer submit himself to the supervision of the elders of this church but what are we to make of all the other withdrawals over the last number of years where this is not the situation. It's lovely to have individuals stand up to publicly profess their faith in the Lord 
and to say I do to the question, do you resolve to commit your whole life to the Lord's service as a living member of his church? But what's the point? If not long afterwards, those same individuals withdraw their membership and feel completely justified in doing so. Are we to accept this as the new normal? Even though the article of the Belgian Confession that we just read tells us that those who draw away from the church or fail to join it act contrary to the ordinance of God. Reflecting on the years of my own ministry, it's been a bit disheartening to see how many people have withdrawn either to worship elsewhere or because they have walked away from the service of the Lord altogether. It's discouraging to the elders who are called to tend the flock to have to make such announcements repeatedly and it should continue to grieve us all. These are members of our family. And yet it has become more acceptable to withdraw. There's no sense of loyalty to others. And we feel fully justified in walking away from people who make us uncomfortable, have offended us, or who we label toxic. We leave when we don't like the decisions made by the church leaders or to avoid discipline. We leave when we think other churches have better programs for the children, their worship style is more to our liking, and in our opinion, they are more missional or welcoming. When withdrawals are frequent, we can easily become unfazed by the announcements and apathetically respond, don't get so emotional about it. People come and people go. But are we not forgetting something? To whom does this church belong? And why do we think so lightly about leaving a church that belongs to Christ? And behind that question is another one. Why do we think so lightly of church membership? In his book, Devoted to Christ's Church, Sinclair Ferguson states, as it should be true in our natural family, so in our local church we need to feel that there is no other church family to which we would rather belong. Even if our congregation is far from perfect. And if by any chance you are thinking of becoming a member of a local church and you do not even want to be able to say that, perhaps you should refrain from joining it. Indeed, perhaps you should think seriously about whether you are prepared for membership in any church, including the one you think the greatest. If Jesus is your Savior, and if he loved the church and died for the church, are you prepared to live in and for that church for which he died? 
So what do you think? Are you prepared to be teachable and to let the Word of God transform how you think about church membership? And the place where change needs to start is right here. With the Scriptures in hand, guided by the Holy Spirit, and in this case, having a close look at Paul and what he writes to the church at Corinth about being a member of the body of Christ. We need to be critiqued. But the critique we need to listen to comes from the head of the church. He is the one who evaluates us with perfect eyes and unfailing love. Now, simply reading 1 Corinthians tells us a lot about how we are to think about church membership. This is a church with a lot of problems. There's party spirit in Corinth when it comes to how the congregation views leadership. There's a lack of discipline in a matter of sexual immorality. Some people are misusing the communal meal so that they are intoxicated at the Lord's Supper. And throughout this letter, Paul exhorts, warns, and calls the members to repentance and to get rid of whatever breaks and hinders the communion they have in Christ. It's a major theme in this letter. And this is why he writes in chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there be no dissensions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now as we delve into this further, take what you think about this church here in Owen Sound and see if it lines up with what Paul writes. If you were living back in ancient Corinth and were given a job in the city, would you join the church at Corinth? Well, listen to how he addresses this church with all its promise, uh, problems in the opening chapter. And then you might realize that it's quite arrogant not to join. This is the church of God. They are sanctified in Christ Jesus. They are believers called to be Christ's holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. These people who are given grace in Christ, are given grace in Christ Jesus. They are individuals who are called into the fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the place where they called into his fellowship is in the church, which in the verse of our text, Paul calls the body of Christ. Well, do you see the church here in the same light? And will that not guard you in how you speak or act? Now, as we read through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, You may have noticed how the Apostle underscores the close tie between the congregation 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. As church, we are connected to, the, to Christ as the body is to the head. And if we sever the church from Christ, we have no life, and rot and decay will set in. Paul writes in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So the basis and fundamental unity of the church is in Christ our Lord. And in this regard, it is intriguing to note the wording of verse 12, where he says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Did you notice that? He does not say, so it is with the church. And by saying, so it is with Christ, Paul impresses on his readers that you may not talk about the church apart from Christ. Christ makes himself known today through the body of the church. By faith we are incorporated, brought into the body of Christ. So the heart of the church, the nerves of the church, the breath of the church, the feelings and the emotions of the church, they're all connected to the head. And since we have the mind of Christ that will determine our voluntary and involuntary responses and the care that we have for one another. Without Christ, the church loses its purpose and its unity. Paul's main point in 1 Corinthians 12 is this. Being in union with Christ necessitates union with one another wherever where everyone works together and not for their own good. And to drive this home, he compares the church to the structure of the human body. The human anatomy consists of eyes, ears, bones, muscles, feet, heart, lungs, to name a few. And these members are not independent, but interdependent. The one is attached to the other. In the most intimate manner. The same blood flows through various organs. And all the parts of the body are meant to function in harmony. It's not all about me. In 1 Corinthians 12, the apostle rebukes those who use the gifts God has granted them for themselves. And not for the benefit of the whole body. He writes in verse 25, there should be no division in the body, but all the members are to have the same care for one another. The Lord has created us for communion. And in the church, he recreates and restores us so that we start living by God's design and not our own. Correctly understanding the phrase, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, is a hard lesson in understanding the meaning of conversion and regeneration and renewal of the transformation of life 
that comes through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And beloved, we have a tremendous responsibility of fostering dependency because we are one body in Christ. The body of Christ, though consisting of many different members, is made one in Christ. He draws us together. He assembles us together so that we can function as one. Through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, we have the eternal life of God flowing through the parts of the body. Yes, our life is in Christ. And since the body of Christ was not working the way it was supposed to function in the church at Corinth, the body was under great duress. And it was in danger of going into some spiritual cardiac arrest. Some in the body of Christ at Corinth thought their contribution to life in the congregation had no value. They couldn't measure up to the standard of those who seemed to be so gifted with the ability to speak in tongues and work miracles and heal. And somewhat dismayed and demoralized by their lack of ability, they pulled back and did not get involved in the life of the church. And this explains Paul's point in the verses 15 through 20. There his main point is don't develop an inferiority complex and don't let that keep you from functioning as part of the body. Even though you may not have some conspicuous and obvious gift that does not exempt you from caring for other parts of the body. And if you withhold care from others and refrain from participating in the communion of the body, you short-circuit the work of the Spirit. You clog up the arteries so that the lifeblood of Christ can flow through the parts of the body. He placed you in the body because whether you realize it or not, the other members need you. Now we have to understand that unity in the body is not the same as uniformity or sameness. The foot may very well be discouraged by its lack of ability to exercise the complicated functions of a hand or an eye. But that does not put the foot outside the body. The human body needs feet as well as hands and eyes. In an orchestra, not all play the same instruments, but all read off the same score so that the different instruments playing their own part provide a beautiful blend of symphony and harmony. Brothers and sisters, in the body of Christ there are no parts that are irrelevant, insignificant, or dispensable. And rather than thinking I have no part, I need to focus then on this, this question. What part do I have within the body? As a teenager or a young adult, you may struggle with finding your place in the church 
And in frustration, you might even state, well, I never asked to be part of this. But neither did your kidneys or your spleen or your lymph nodes or your big toes ask to be part of your body. You and I must be fully determined to fulfill our God-given part and serve the well-being of the church here by being a healthy member of the body. My spiritual wellness contributes to the health of the whole body and that is why I need to check my spiritual blood pressure, heart rate, pulse, and vital signs regularly. My spiritual health will manifest itself in my willingness to give generously and regularly. My desire to use every opportunity to feed and nourish my soul with God's Word. To serve rather than to be served. To respect and honor others. To be devoted to them and to make love my aim. And when I feel discouraged and disheartened and even think that the church doesn't need me, remember who you are. You belong to Christ. And being in Him, you are part of His body, the church. And just because you might not have a gift, position, or function that is visible and obvious to others, does not take away your responsibility to care for the other parts of the body. People who work behind the scenes, supporting the ministry of the gospel, doing what they consider little things, makes the communion of saints pulsate with life. You cannot put a price tag on the value of such work. And that comes to the foreground even more forcefully when we consider the other side of Paul's argument for in the verses 15 to 20, he spoke about those who feel they have no place in the body or feel they are inferior to others. And then in the verses 21 through 25, he addresses those who have an air of spiritual superiority. They are, pro they are preoccupied with their own projects. And the only time they are willing to do something for someone else as when they are given an opportunity to show off their gifts. Or if they are able to take control of the situation. Or when there is something in it for themselves. Well, Paul tells them some shocking news. Do not flatter yourself with your self-importance. You may think you can manage well enough without the contribution of members whose gifts and talents may go unnoticed. But realize this, the body can better do without the showy members, such as a hand or an eye, than it can without one of the internal organs. In fact, you cannot live without such organs as your heart or your brain. These internal organs, though hidden from the public eye, are essential to the sustaining life of the body. Certain organs of the body are vital, but also very fragile. 
They need the protection of other parts of the body, such as the rib cage, the muscles, and the bone structure. And so it is in the body of Christ. Certain members are vital even though their contribution may be hidden from the public eye. You may never see them or hear them, but you know they are there for the well-being of the whole body. We know people by their outward appearance and not through an examination of their internal organs. And we aren't attracted to each other because we like the look of a person's pancreas or liver. We do not look at each other through x-ray machines or MRIs or ultrasonic equipment. Yet the Lord equalizes the organs of the body so that the inner and private parts of the body receive the greater honor than such outward parts as the hands, feet, ears, and eyes. And that's the way it is in the church as well. The church may be known by those who are in positions of leadership and teaching, but the pulse of the church is felt with many members working behind the scenes. The church as the body of Christ is diverse, yet one in Christ. And therefore we should never, either in attitude or in deed, shove aside members in the congregation as if we have no need of them. Avoid discord and strife. Have the same care for one another. And there's only one time that a body may reject another organ, and that's when the member is poisoning the rest of the body by stubbornly living in sin. It's the responsibility of members who have a more prominent and visible position in the body to say to the weaker, more vulnerable parts of the body, God has placed me in the body for you, for your protection and care. I will do everything I possibly can to honor you and to see you as a vital part of the body. Instead of looking to have honor and praise heaped upon ourselves, we must redirect that to those who normally do not get the honor, to clothe them with respect because they are vital and indispensable for the life and the growth of the church. The function every member has in a congregation is not self-determined. The Lord assigns us our own place and purpose within the body. It is God who arranged, in the organ, who arranged the organs in the body. It is God who composed the body in such a way, giving the greater honor to our unpresentable parts. The church is not shaped or characterized by its leaders. Its future is not determined by the minister that is called but by the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us all to be working together, having equal concern and care for one another. The Lord puts people together and gives all members their own unique function within the body of Christ. God has appointed some to be leaders to equip the saints for service. 
And if that is your task, fulfill the ministry God has assigned you to the best of your ability by serving the well-being of the whole body. Be available to others. Listen. And let your entire ministry show that you genuinely care for others. Your God-appointed place may involve being someone with whom others can share their concerns. A person that will lend a listening ear. An individual who can give a helping hand to members who are going through a difficult time financially, physically, or emotionally. And when you truly care for others, you will suffer when another member suffers and you will rejoice when another member is honored. A person who has a headache or pain in his back feels the effects throughout his whole body. If you lose your hearing or sight, your whole body suffers because of it. How you function as congregation must be that intimate so that we become increasingly sensitive to the pain of those who are sick, grieving, lonely, hurting, widowed, childless, etc. A heartfelt care for one another eliminates any thought of jealousy of those who are honored. Because whatever honor a member receives is for the well-being of the whole body. Your eyes are more intimately connected to your face than they are to your feet. Yet from time to time, your eyes should see how your feet are doing. Your hands should touch, should touch your chest and feel the warmth of your heartbeat. Beloved, we are part of a local church because this is God's place where He renews, rejuvenates, restores, regenerates us by the Holy Spirit. And being a member in a local church is so much more than just attending the worship services. We are called by God to work together, to place ourselves under the discipline of others, to receive correction and encouragement, to serve and care for one another. And if you, for whatever reason, find yourself in a spot where you shouldn't be in your life, in the body, I pray that what you have learned today may encourage you, even if it is a little uncomfortable. For those who are in Christ will want to live as members of his body, the church, and will desire to live in a way pleasing to the Lord Jesus. Well, may God give us an open ear to hear what he has revealed in this chapter of his word, that he will stir our hearts to know our part in the functioning of the body of Christ so that other members are honored and Christ, the head of this church, is praised and glorified. Amen.